0: Professor Forever Professor Forever Hello, and welcome to Professor Forever. I am the Professor Forever. This is going to be the first of a two-part podcast on horror. A genre I love. In my mind, it's just a matter of taste. What kind of films you love but horror has gotten a bad rep. Anyway, this is the first part of my talk on horror, and I do want to talk about the Amazon Prime series, Them, and I'm going to probably give a few spoilers about it at the end of this podcast, so I just wanted you to beware. Um, but the second podcast will be a more cohesive review of it and talking about how some theories I have about it may hold some value for you. I think one way to talk about horror movies is to talk about watershed films in the evolution of a genre, and that's what I'm going to be doing for this segment Before I start, though, I just want to give a little bit of rationale behind the love of horror movies, at least from my perspective. One reason why I love horror movies is because it gets my adrenaline pumping. A good scary movie can really pick up my energy level. A second reason is... It can be like a ride. So my adrenaline can be pumping, and then I relax. And then my adrenaline is pumping, and then something makes me sad. I feel like horror has a lot of room in the genre for different genres to filter in. I'll be talking about that more. The third rationale I'm going to give behind horror movies is escape, right? Right? Many people turn to film for escape But I like the idea of going to a horror movie for escape Because it provides escape Then imprisonment And escape And then imprisonment And then Will she escape? One more reason I'll just throw in there Is the old teenage boy excuse If you're dating someone new taking them to a horror movie is a really good way to get close to them and have them hug you or grab your hand. Okay. Um, so, I want to talk about some watershed moments in the horror genre. Of course, I have to cut out a lot of films that I feel like I could put in there, but... I feel like this outline that I've come up with is a pretty good one. So, and I am a horror movie fan, have been since I was a young girl. So I've seen a lot of horror movies, and I've sought out a lot of horror movies. I was very lucky to have in my town when I was in my 20s a really great video store That had really rare films Horror films From the 60s and 70s And that really helped But The first watershed moment In the horror evolution I would like to talk about Is the movie Freaks 1932 By Todd Browning The director of Dracula And actually It is a good thing That Todd Browning Directed Dracula Because it had a lot of success at the box office, and if it weren't for that, uh, he probably would have lost his career as a director uh, with the movie Freaks that came out uh, the next year, I think. So, Freaks is a very interesting movie. It's very dark. Um, It's about a traveling circus, And the people who work for the traveling circus Who are different So we're talking about um, The half man, half woman The Siamese twins Johnny Eck um, Who was basically Torso with arms Um, All of these What was called at the time a freak uh, Were real people And Todd Browning used them in his movie He was trying to do something really good Which was trying to expose these people uh, To more viewers worldwide So that they could feel an empathy For these people Uh, Todd Browning had worked in the circus So he knew some of these people Um, And it was a valiant effort and when you watch the movie, the plot uh, is very clear in the way that it moves that the freaks, and I'm putting finger hooks, the freaks in the movie should get vengeance and justice. However, that is not the way that uh, moviegoers in the 30s received it. It was banned uh, in, the, in England uh, for decades. Uh, it was a very controversial movie. Uh, But he put these real people in there and was trying to do something very different. And for me, this is the first watershed film. Um, Hammer films uh, filled up a lot of the time in between the 30s and the 60s. And I think I'm going to talk about them at a later date uh, film noir can also be thrown in there. Some of them were pretty horrific. I'm going to s- jump right now to the year 1960. Um, Psycho. And Psycho is another horror film that definitely was a signature watershed moment in the evolution of horror. Alfred Hitchcock, as most of you know, was the director Um the heroine in Psycho is killed pretty early on in the movie. And, of course, that is the woman, that is the character that we as movie, movie viewers are supposed to empathize with. And she's taken away very quickly in the, in the film. And there is a point of view uh, that we get that is quite graphic, Of her murder. And so these things uh, make this movie stand out uh, in the evolution of this genre. Uh, Interestingly, so real people are involved in both Freaks and Psycho. In Freaks, the people who are acting in the movie, the Freaks are actual people who were employees of the traveling circus at the time. Psycho. Was based on a novel by Robert Block Who lived pretty close To the murderer Ed Gein So uh, the novel, Psycho Had a little bit more of an attachment To the uh, murderer Ed Gein Who lived in Plainfield, Wisconsin If you don't know the Ed Gein story It's an interesting one to read Um, And so The movie also somewhat is attached to this real murderer. And so we have this real person thing going on. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, by the way, was also um, based on uh, the story of Ed Gein. Um, So I want to jump now to... 1968 I really am skipping over a lot of movies So I would love for you to comment on the blog And tell me what ones you think I'm missing in here But 1968, Night of the Living Dead Now, 60s movies in general in America Were very anti-authoritarian um, So Night of the Living Dead is one of those two Um it has a black protagonist, and so that is quite rare in movies at all at that time, but I think probably this is the first black protagonist in a horror movie, American-made, so it stands out for that, and the sheriff and his crew in Night of the Living Dead uh they are moronic, and so the authority needs to be uh, looked down upon in this film, and it's very easy to do that. Um, You know, the music in Night of the Living Dead is almost unbearable. I remember watching it with a friend, and she had to leave the room, and she said, that music, I cannot handle that music. And so... That was another thing I think that made that movie stand out. Also in the 60s was Herschel Gordon Lewis, who was make he's known as the godfather of gore. He was making these very low-budget over-the-top. Gore movies Um, They didn't get a lot of coverage Because I guess you would consider them Maybe B-movies Low budget Um, Russ Meyer was involved In the production of uh, A lot of Herschel Gordon Lewis films And so there was this line Between pornography And horror going on In America at that time Um, But his His He kind of set the standard for gore to be a certain level and for filmmakers to get away with it. Um, You know, you can laugh at a lot of the films now, but there's one of his that I would say no one should ever laugh at, and it's called 2,000 Maniacs, and it is about the Civil War and people, it's it's kind of a mashup on uh, Brigadoon. Uh, it's about a town in the south that comes alive once every hundred years, and they want to take revenge on the north. Uh, very scary. Um, so also going on at this time was a lot of great European horror, um, especially Italian Splatter films were starting Before we started Splatter here Um, Although Herschel Gordon Lewis was part of that too Uh, The Italian Splatter films were known as Giallo And uh, I'm thinking of The House That Screamed Which was a very scary movie That I saw uh, in 1971 Maybe, maybe 72 I also went to go see a lot of Dr. Fibes movies Which again had this weird... Black comedy um, Angle to it But very horrific At the same time Um, Profundo Rosso Is one of the Giallo films Mario Bava uh, Made Um, They didn't get a lot of American distribution until later But uh, these are Definitely hallmark films In terms of Uh, what filmmakers are getting away with as far as gore was concerned. And then, of course, oh, uh, before I leave that uh, decade, The Last House on the Left, Wes Craven, one of the most terrifying movies ever made, in my opinion. Uh, The cinema verite, the acting is phenomenal. Uh, These people were... So evil. Um, David Hess playing Krug. Um, it's a very difficult film to watch. It seems like you're watching uh, somebody witnessing these crimes, which were allegedly based on uh, a true crime of two girls, um, that somebody's just watching with a camera and uh, the, a witness point of view as it's going along. Um, Anyway, not for the faint of heart, uh, but that definitely, this whole idea of realistic horror uh, was really brought to the front of the line with Wes Craven's last house on the left. Okay. Then we get to uh, Halloween, 1978. I'll never forget when I went to see that movie. I thought I had gone to the premiere screening, and I still think I did, but that does not explain what I saw when I left the theater. When I left the theater that night, there was someone standing there at the side entrance or the side exit to the, what was that called in Boardman? I forget that cinema. Anyway, somebody was standing there with a butcher knife and a Michael Myers a hockey mask uh, uh, not a hockey mask, that would be Jason But a uh, a white male mask on his face And I swear, people that came out with me Some girl fainted when she saw that And I don't know to this day how that happened Because I thought I was there for the very first one I don't know if it was a gimmick put on by the studio But I have never forgotten that A woman producer, Deborah Hill um, You know, the the critics started to gang up on horror movies a lot here. The American critics, um, you know, this is the beginning of the slasher era of horror movies in America, and you are seeing part of the film from the killer's point of view. And that really was, uh, you know, a novel tack to take with a horror film, except Psycho did it, too, but in a little different way. Um, then we get to the 80s and Friday the 13th. And this really is now American cinema, horror cinema, is moving uh, right into splatter. Uh, the slasher film uh, starts really with Friday the 13th. And boy, did the critics hand that movie. I remember seeing mothers outside movie theaters protesting the release of Friday the 13th. Um, Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel hated this movie. I still remember them talking about it on their their, uh, show, Sneak Previews. Um, And actually, Roger Ebert was more vile about the release of this movie than was his partner Siskel he gave out the home address of Betsy Palmer who played Mrs. Voorhees in that movie um he got the wrong address from what I have read so that's good but I always was struck uh you know by the hypocrisy of Roger Ebert in really slamming this movie so much because he had written uh Beyond the Valley of the Dolls with Russ Meyer a formidable porno and horror movie producer writer director uh that I mentioned a little earlier in this cast and that movie is full of schlock and garbage and for someone who decided to do that for a little bit of money to try to then change their stance And say, uh, film should do better than this It just always made me angry um, So, but what people don't realize about We have the final girl, right? That kind of started with Halloween Now we have that final girl trope uh, Happening uh, in Friday the 13th, uh, slashers But We have also, you know, there is a switch in that movie where people are first kind of siding with the killer or that seems to be the intention of the movie because the people who are killed are doing things that are against morality or something. But then we get this, you know, this switch and we end up Empathizing with the the one survivor who kind of takes it the action into her hands. So this was also a hallmark of this film. Um, a lot of you know adolescent boys were going to watch this film, and so of course they're like kill, kill, kill. You know, trying to get out those those uh, pubescent uh, urges of violence and you know uh, restraint and sexual repression or whatever. But right. As it seems like they're going to be, you know, going for the killer all the way, then then the whole stance of the movie and perspective of the movie switches, and then we are going for the the survivor. So that was the first kind of horror movie that ever—actually, there aren't many movies in any genre that do that kind of switching of empathy of the viewer, so it's notable for that. Um. 90s. Oh, before I get to the 90s, I want to put in a plug for my one of my favorite movies of all time and absolutely my favorite horror movie and that is The Evil Dead. It is so beautiful in its cinematography and its use of metaphor and the acting of Bruce Campbell lifts it to this unbelievable uh, level. I was sad when I learned that Sam Raimi just used it as a stepping stone to go into action, but at least he didn't go into rom-com, so I'm glad about that. But more on Evil Dead, The Evil Dead, uh, which was 1984, I think, at a little later time. Um, So, 90s films, and I think I'm going to stop here with the Evolution of horror But I do want to say What happens with 90s films Is the focus on technology If I could just point out One movie that Really uh, Took advantage of technology In different ways The Blair Witch Project Really stands out to me That movie Is unique Because of the Internet-based Marketing strategy That was Used uh, For its sale um so many months and maybe even a year before the movie came out there were leaks on the internet about this bell witch and these stories and people believed that this was real uh, by the time the film came around and that was all a ploy that was put together by the film creators and producers and it was beautifully done and uh Just so much work went into the pre-release of this film and they used technology, which was fairly new for regular consumers at that time, 95 maybe. Um, So that was really smart. Um, I'm going to get to them, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, with a full review, but I want to give you just a little preview of how I feel. I would say... As far as scariness goes with the Amazon series, uh, it's about a 2 out of 10. Uh, but in the horrific impact of the film, I would give it about an 8 out of 10. Uh, acting, 9 out of 10. The acting in the series is phenomenal. Um, also, the cinematography and the art direction is just Nine out of ten, so beautifully done, Um, and there are a lot of similarities uh, with how the cinematography is used in this film and my favorite film, The Evil Dead, and so I'll be talking about that uh, in the second part of this podcast. But I'll go over that, I'll go over my review of them, and I'll go over a few more of the 90s, the O's, the 10s, and the 20s. Um, I hope you don't mind... That I'm talking about horror It's just something that is very near and dear to my heart And I know a lot of people have problems with it And I would love to open up a discussion about this on the blog If you're up for it So um, watch a good horror movie Maybe one of the uh, films that I mentioned in this podcast uh, Would be a good place to start and So that we can have an interactive discussion about it uh, Whatever you do Um, Just, you know, keep a little light on in the corner of your house But otherwise have a very dark house And put your seatbelt on And try out one of these films that I've mentioned And I think you'll have a good time Thanks for uh, joining me As always, I appreciate you being out there And me envisioning you out there uh, Listening to Professor Forever I appreciate it very much get thinking she's got no lessons planned for me because she's not that fancy she's a professor forever professor forever